Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hey everybody, this is the One Hour Photo Podcast by Studio C41, and we have a very special guest here for the one-on-one interview. I have Nico Yaceta, uh, who is most popularly known for Nico's Photo News. Um, he is one of those YouTube channels that uh, I'm, I'm just going to say, when it comes to the photo news, I use his channel because uh, he is on top of it a lot better than me. He's probably one of the guys that has probably uh, a lot better insight when things are about to happen in the photo news. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I pick it up from him. So, <laughs> uh, Nico, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm good. I'm here enjoying holidays in sunny Florida. So it was easier for us to, you know, join timelines. And uh, very happy to be on the podcast. And uh, of course, uh, you said the news are the, you know, big hit on the YouTube channel, but there's always a bit more in there. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. You did a series that I actually very much enjoyed where you did a uh, large format um, with a, I want to say it was, oh man, I cannot remember, but it was like an ultra wide technical camera, right? Uh, yeah, I've used the Cambo wide. That's that Cambo, is, that's right. Yeah, those are kind of like the photo walks that I've been trying to pick up, but I have a couple to edit uh, right now, but yeah. you know, editing has become the worst part of YouTube, let's say. Um, but the ideas yeah. are still there. And uh, the next one's going to be actually also a large format, kind of ultra wide. But instead of the technical side, it's going to be more like a walk around camera, which is going to be the travel wide. Very cool. Yeah, I know um, it's kind of funny you mentioned about the editing aspect of it. And that's one of the biggest things that I personally struggle with right now when it comes to these videos is the edit- editing side of it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, oh, I got this great idea, and then you go to film it, and then you got all this video, and then you go to sit down, you load it all into your computer, and then you go, oh, crap, now I got to edit all this and make it make sense to somebody, yeah. you know, and I, I share that uh, frustration when it just takes, you need that time to really sit down and kind of piece it all together and, you know, create a story that you know you would want your listeners to sit down and watch it all the way through so it's very difficult so i i commend you and i i i share that same uh sentiment with you <laughs> no it's i mean it's it's work we put in and we put work we enjoy but it's mm-hmm. it, let's say it's the lesser fun part of doing it it really is it's it's like as i would probably compare it to scanning in film i honestly you know up until just recently you know, uh, I did not. I I would find scanning to be the least fun aspect of the entire photographic process when it comes to film. So no, yeah, I I started scanning for the YouTube channel, and that kind of pushed me <laughs> to uh, kind of like trying to make you know friendships with scanning. And first, I started by scanning myself. Then I mm-hmm. started getting a Carmencita lab in Spain to help me yep. out. And now I have, I'm going to still work with them, but I also have a Frontier scanner, which makes things a little easier. Wow. Uh, so I'm very happy. That's one of the biggest, uh, you know, news into the channel that I did a live stream the other day to include mm-hmm. because that's going to help the production so much more because editing will be the only problem from then on. 
Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, speaking of like uh, of the YouTube videos and stuff like that, um, you had an opportunity to sit down and do something very very similar with me, and that was working with the Negative Supply MK1. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me about your experience, and I guess we can kind of both go back and forth as far as you know, um, kind of talking about some of the things you noticed, some of the things I noticed um, when when it came to like actually you know, playing around with this thing? Well, I, I had never done uh, DSLR or, you know, digital scanning because they're not DSLRs anymore. They're mirrorless, most yeah. of them. Um, I have never done scanning like that. And I actually prepared myself beforehand. I asked Nate from, uh, what is it, uh, a negative uh, lab pro mm-hmm. um, to give me if he would be okay with giving me a key and whatnot because I wasn't going to use it on a regular basis. It was just sure. a review sort of basis. And I got the device, the negative supply device, in the mail. I kept it in the box for two days because I was going to do it uh, live stream uh, opening it. Oh, cool. But I ended up opening it and without the live stream. <laughs> and honestly, it feels well built. It feels yeah. really fun to scan. I have to say it's going to make people not cut their film at all because yeah. it's so much easier. Um, it helps with film fatness, I would say 98% of the time because there are, I did notice a little curvature on some of Mm -hmm. the film, but nothing to throw it out of focus. Yeah. It was very, very, very easy to scan a roll of film in no time, put it into, you know, Lightroom classic or whatever they, you know, require for the plugin and convert it all. And so far, so good. Like it was impressive. Like my frontier, which I'm still getting to know has taken more time to scan any sort of film. And I love the fact that it doesn't crop at all. Yeah. You can crop if you want because the frontier crops on its own. And I know there's a little device now that you can supposedly get full frame, but the fact that you can scan full frame, you know, easily and convert is amazing. Yeah, no, that's a very great point. And, and it's kind of funny because, um, I came at it with the same approach where, um, I had never done it. Uh, digital or uh, a camera scanning on my own. I've I've always, you know, kind of deferred to that kind of thing to Steven. He he's done it several times. He's like, oh man, you got to try this. I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to stick to you know doing the frontier at Dunwoody Photo and you know, uh, and I got my V850 and all that stuff. And he was like, okay, all right. And um, so Negative Supply, um, you know, they launched this Kickstarter and we did an interview with them. And I, and I asked, uh, AJ and Saxon afterwards, I said, Hey, you know, can, can I try a demo unit? You know, I'm not asking for free stuff. I just want to try it out. And you know, when I'm done, I'd love to, you know, I'm more than happy to send it right back to you guys. And they said, yeah, yeah, we got uh demo units on the way and you know, we'll send you one. I was like, okay, awesome. And, um, and so it came and, um, you know, I, I set it up and it was kind of funny because the first time that I set it up, it was, it took me like 10 minutes and like, I didn't even have like the, like the actual setup. I had a, um, you know, a tripod set up and then, you know, I was trying to guess the, the correct height to, you know, kind of try to fill up mm-hmm. as much as I could with the frame. And, um, and I was even doing it with, you know, a, Canon 50D, which was like a like a ten year old camera with a mm-hmm. really old macro lens, and the images that came out of it were were fantastic. And and I was like, okay, I have a friend that has a copy stand. I went ahead and and uh, picked up the um, 
a Sony G Master macro lens for my A7 III, and I was like, let's let's do this. Like, let's see what this you know can really do. Yeah, and I'm so- actually. I'm actually about to. I still have it in Spain because yeah. I left for holidays. I was going to yeah. ship it to someone in Germany to do the the next review. Oh, nice! And I'm actually going to try to fit in uh, scanning with it on uh, medium format the um, digital back. Oh, nice! So Ooh, yeah, I'm going to go all in just as a bit of a giggles because I, I I'm not one to talk about digital gear. I do follow all the digital trends and the cameras that come out and all these things, but I'm yeah. not one to talk about it in in my YouTube channel. I'd rather keep it to what it is. Sure. Um, but it's funny because I will be scanning on a Hasselblad and a Phase One. I don't know how many megapixels there is in there uh with it so hopefully i'll get to do that and throw it in the video to make it a little different <laughs> different review to everyone else's you know yeah yeah no and, and that's very cool because um you know a lot of people will kind of rag on it a little bit and say well you just came up with a you know ten thousand dollar solution to you know just scan some film and it's like oh, that's yeah, not that's the, the whole point that's the whole point to yeah. me is that's the whole point it's just making fun of it you know yeah yeah and it, it's kind of funny because do you guys watch uh mythbusters or anything over there mm-hmm. do you guys have that i don't know i, if... I do know about the show I, okay I, I don't think i i don't have tv so i can't tell you okay gotcha so like mythbusters you know they they do this test they try to prove it and then if they can or can't and then they're like let's just go crazy right and then they try to do this you know super ridiculous you know no limitations test right and 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 a phase one i feel like would be like that kind of no limitations oh, test. Yeah. <laughs> You guys, yeah, no, this is going to be, I mean, this, this video won't be exactly the beginning of that, but I'm working on exactly that same Mythbusters series for my YouTube channel. (laughs) That's cool. So there'll be a new section when I'll start. I do have some of the bits and pieces I needed for the first video, but I'm going to try to create, you know, with the extra support I'm getting now. Mm. And instead of just, you know, cashing in and just calling it a day, I'm going to try to reinvest it on doing some fun, crazy ideas that no one else has done as far as i've seen mm-hmm. so that's one of them i mean it's not one of them my friend has a Hasselblad and a digital back and it's more than ten thousand dollars for sure right um right. but it's just just kind of like to show like okay everyone's talking about can you really focus on the grain and all this like let's really see and you know yeah. that's going to be at least from my reach the best i can do yeah no sure absolutely and, and i do know that um phase one has been used quite extensively in like the um uh archival uh aspects where the, it's primarily been used in like um documenting oh, yeah, art and stuff, stuff like yeah. that yeah exactly so so i i would expect to see some amazing uh quality that would be coming out of those uh scans or uh yeah. those captures so, yeah so. we'll see what happens very cool well let, let's shift gears a little bit um you know we're not here to talk about negative supply but I, i'd like to learn a little bit more about you and mm-hmm. kind of how you got into film photography and then how the heck this whole thing started well it's it's kind of a long story i'm 37 right now if i'm not wrong and uh, I started in film when film was the only option. Um, mm. I shot film like everyone else from their parents' cameras and whatnot. And I was into skateboarding, which I think like every single person on YouTube's, you know, had that <laughs> little bit of history. Yeah. And I would take pictures of my friends on skateboards and, you know, skateboarding here and there. And, and, and that was the beginning of it. And I did get a bit more into it. I had my own dark room and all that. 
Um, because and then I stopped because I couldn't afford it. And it's funny because today people say, you know, films expensive and developing is expensive. It was just at least to me as a 16, 17 year old um, teenager it was just as expensive to shoot. Mm-hmm. And I stopped because of that. I was shooting slides. And of course, skateboarding, you wanted the biggest camera and the fastest shutter because mm-hmm. you want to freeze everything and do, you know, uh, several so- shots in a row. Um, and then I stopped for years. And a uh, year later, a friend here from Miami started shooting, you know, with little point and shoot uh, digital cameras. And he got me kind of like curious again. And I, w- I kind of sort of lost my job, but I didn't. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with my time? Mm-hmm. And I bought a digital camera, but I had heard about, I didn't even know there was cropped sensors, got a D700 full frame. And uh, that got me started. And I was like everyone else chasing the bokeh and all these things. <laughs> and right. uh, one day talking to a friend, he said, hey, I just bought a Hasselblad. And I knew Hasselblad from back in the day in National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, film that's, you know, for the romantic kind of person that wants to go into the dark room and develop. And I looked online, and I think it was B&H or Adorama had a, a, a deal for a whole Hasselblad kit for $600. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm saving like a couple, you know, like a thousand plus dollars for a lens. And this is 600 I was like, I'm getting one. So I got one, nice. and I put a roll of film in it, and I never got it, you know, never grabbed my digital camera again. So that's how <laughs> I got back into film. And um, it kind of got me started. And, of course, learning was online mostly by then. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy the community. I really had a lot of people support me at the beginning when I was one of those, you know, for, uh, ask first, think second sort of person. Mm-hmm. And um, I fully committed to helping everyone I could throughout my, you know, learning and coming to learn and know a lot more. I was like, I'm going to teach everything I can and help everyone. So that's yeah. what I try. Very cool. So, um, when you when you got one of those uh, cameras and you said you kind of never really looked back, um, and you said it was a Hasselblad, right? Yep. Okay, so was it like one of the uh, square format, like the five hundred cm or something like that? Yeah, my first mm-hmm. one was a five hundred cm eighty mil. I think it was the CT lens with which is the older Bay fifty, mm-hmm. uh, but not silver. Okay. And uh, a horrible prison, uh, prison finder, which I now own another one, and I actually quite enjoy it, but I hated it at the time. Of course, <laughs> I wanted the waist-level finder yeah. to field my pictures. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I. Uh, it's kind of funny how you mentioned about skateboarding. A lot of people did um, first start off as skateboarders uh, early on, um, mm-hmm. and it, it, it kind of feels like that. that's kind of... Uh, still a thing today but you know it's kind of funny i i joke around i said that i was never good at skateboarding like i tried it and i tried so much and i just could not get that board i i couldn't even do an ollie um and and uh but i i still try to dress like one i was often called a poser and you know it, it comes i mean I, we i think everyone's being called the poser from someone or somehow yeah I, I was i wasn't bad at skateboarding but of course i remember i love magazines and i love being very technical like most people would have seen on my youtube channel yeah i like knowing all the names and the tricks and everything so i ended up working as a magazine uh editor there oh cool um, at X Games in Spain and oh, stuff. Wow. And this was starting to get all the way there. And th- that's how I, I guess the magazines reading all through them got me into the photography and the photo mm. specials and annuals and whatever. 
were what I liked the most. So I was like, okay, well, photography was one thing and skateboarding was another, and I would just put them all both together. Oh, that's cool. That is really cool. So from all that, and then, I mean, how did the progression happen as far as like getting your YouTube channel going and 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 kind of spreading that love of photography through a, a visual medium? Well, um, I've been doing uh, forums online for years in Spain. Mm-hmm. There's a Spanish forum called formatomedio.eu, which is like Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been the administrator for, of that for, I don't know, 10 years, something like that. Oh, wow. And that was basically just giving. And, you know, I always received because you get feedback, but it was very different. And then one day, same thing, sort of almost lost my job again. And mm-hmm. I guess I worked with like that. And um, I basically started the YouTube channel. My first video was like one day, like I'm getting this done. You know, I'm a perfectionist and I decided, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to go the other route and just be a doer. Mm-hmm. And I did the first video, put it out there, and I realized the first moment, like, this is not as easy as it looks. It's not just turning on a, you know, point and shoot and talking to it, and that's it. Like, right. it's not going to look good like that. Yeah. And um, that's been hard work. I, it's been probably the hardest thing I've ever done in terms of learning, because, of course, there's a ton of information, but all the information's very similar. You don't know who's really right and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, what camera to buy and what lens to buy and what microphone to buy and all that, like editing and how to – it's just been a nightmare. Um, but I, I can't complain. It's grown slowly and steadily since I started and uh, continue to keep on you know, doing the content and publishing and people like it, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, I, I think that you um, bring up a very good point, and, and that's the content. And I think – you know, uh, I, I've seen so many YouTube channels where, like, you know, I'll watch and go, oh, my gosh, this video is horrible. How the heck is this guy, you know, getting away with, you know, having so many followers and everything? And then, you know, you kind of take a step back and you look at it and you go, you know, but they are delivering some really good content. And I think that is what people easily recognize is, is good content. And and so as a result of your channel, I what I find you know, kind of fun. I make it an open admission that even on my recordings that um, typically when I'm gathering things for, you know, headlines that we want to talk about on our photo news Mm -hmm. section of our podcast, I mean, you're literally probably the first two that I go to, to kind of see, you know, what has happened, what's going on in the industry. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I listen in on it. And I mean, you, I'll be honest, you probably provide some of the best news when it comes to analog photography. And I mean, you know, it's tough to cover everything because it's like there are some topics that you're just like, "Ah, you know, that doesn't sound very interesting. Do I really want to talk about it or something along those lines? And but you, you still focus on, you know, saying, okay, this I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. And and uh, that that's some discipline. I'll I'll admit Yeah, I mean, every single the news usually start on Sunday or Monday night Mm -hmm. where I open over 100 tabs and I go through the whole tabs looking at what could be new or, you know, websites that haven't been renewed in 10 years. I still look every single week (laughs) Wow! um, because I've been finding and saving them on my bookmark. Um, And basically I do that. And then on my phone, I usually go through whatever social media I'm on, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. And I screenshot whatever I'm like, oop, 
this is going to be news. Whether it's from the source, it's some random person uh, sharing the news. Mm-hmm. I've been lucky now that a lot of people are trying to, you know, feed me certain news. Like, hey, oh, maybe awesome. Nico didn't see this, so I I'm able to kind of hit. That's my that was my wish. Like, I would love to be on everyone's radar to be like, oh, this is newsworthy. Send it to Nico. You know, like there was an easy tab to send it over. Yeah. Um, and that's why I repeat it. And then basically I just prepare all of that and go through it. And of course, I think that's what I was telling you before we started the the, the recording is I think every single piece of news is important. Like I'm sure. a huge large format shooter and people think I'm the only large format shooter, but I shoot 35 every day. Yeah. So I like news on 35 or large format. And, you know, so I try to cover everything, even mm-hmm. if it's not my favorite topic, whatever it is. Or maybe I have an issue with a brand, which sadly sometimes arises. Mm-hmm. Um, I still cover it because I think the information is more important than my own personal thing. And I try to cover it objectively. Of course, sure. I have opinions on everything. Sure. I see Kickstarters that I'm like, how the hell are you going to do that and why? <laughs> or maybe I see a brand come out with something. And I'm like, that's just not going to work. Or why are you doing these you know, issues or communication right. problems or whatever it is? But the news are first, and I try to keep them as on topic as I can. Only gone off topic now with the I was doing like a t- 100 news giveaway, and I kind of stepped that. And the funny thing is the you would see the thumbs up, thumbs down proportion went up, like the thumbs down went up when I started talking, derailing from the news. So mm. I'm fine with that, and I just keep back onto the news as soon as I can. And now it's just back to normal. That's good. That's good. Yet yeah, uh, staying objective is very... Uh, difficult, you know, especially when, you know, you, you latch onto something that you really, really like, you know, and, you know, um, we, and we kind of talk about that on our show where we latch onto something, right. You know, or if we're really upset about something or, you know, um, there, there's one company out there that, um, you know, did a Indiegogo and they have not fulfilled their 120 (coughs) Silbera, (coughs) Silbera. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's tough to stay objective about those types of things. And I think you do an excellent job um, doing that. So, no, and the, now that you're bringing that topic, um, <clears throat> the thing is with the news, a lot of the companies that we talk about or I talk about, uh, I guess, don't have any other way to spread the word. It's not easy. Yeah. So I've gotten to talk to like, I don't know, not everyone, but I, uh, most of everyone in the, in the industry. And nowadays it's more than big names. It's, you know, you know indie sort of companies that are starting off with whatever they can. Yeah. And I actually interviewed Silbera at uh, the Film Photo Fair in Finland. And uh, I know all the bits and things that are happening behind the industry. And that's one of those things that I want to report on, but it's just going to give a horrible image and not to Silbera, to some of our other favorite companies. Right. And you can't really say it because you don't, I don't want to throw any, you know, how do you say it, any gasoline to the fire, or whatever right. the expression could be in English, uh, which is my second language, just in case someone's wondering. <laughs> um, and basically, yeah, I just, I hear that. And I know if Silbera is taking their time and all this, but I do know they'll fulfill whatever it is. I do yeah. know the reason there's no not 120 is not due to them. And it could be more due to a different company that sure. anyone else is thinking. And the same reason some other companies are having issues in uh, production is the same thing. It's one company that's, you know, putting their foot on the floor and saying no one else is going through us. And that's, you know, interrupting the rest of the market. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's you got to be careful. My My way, if someone wants to know the formula of my news is, 
if I talk happily about it, I'm happy about the project. If I just give the news and that's it, that means I'm not the happiest. <laughs> Someone said the lack of news means like, you know, like if I don't say any more, it's like Nico's just giving the report. That's it. <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. Well, no, I uh, that's really cool that you're transparent about that. And yeah, I know that uh, I think one of the things that I personally give Silbera such a hard time about is I, I know that there are external factors that they're, they aren't able to control. And I mm-hmm. think, I think, uh, especially with these types of Kickstarters, communication is probably one of the biggest things. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I totally understand, you know, and, you know, I just, I just simply give them a hard time simply just because I don't think they do a good enough job keeping people updated on that. No, no, so, no. I yeah. mean, I mean, we are yeah. in the right of giving people hard times as backers or just as observers and yeah. creating content like you create and I create and, you know, other people do. We have some sort of moral thing that we should say sometimes our opinions. And I make opinion videos on that same exact topic. Just, sure. you know, talk whatever the hell I want to talk about. And then people can criticize or not. And I always say, whatever you want to say, leave it in the comments and I'll read it. And I do read them all, which is one of the things I read every single comment. I answer every single comment. And if I haven't, it's because I've either it's been like three months after and I forgot to answer something. Sure. Um, But yeah, the industry is not easy and and seeing everything and all these Kickstarters. I'm the first one that has a Kickstarter that I haven't fulfilled. And I probably I'm the worst at, you know, communicating. But it is one of those things that you either concentrate on building more to the to ahead of you or just stop and you know stop doing anything and answer all the questions and things and then keep on going and i'm gonna i I had a crazy kickstarter idea i was coming out with this summer that i basically put to the side because i was like i haven't finished my previous one i gotta do this right and do one first finish it all and then do Mm. the second oh that's awesome well i can't wait to hear uh what you what kickstarter you have coming down the line i won't ask you because this doesn't sound like you're ready yet so i, I, won't, I won't go down that path yet it, it'll be next summer so okay, don't worry summer. It, it's a summer thing so i gotta wait for next summer okay well you let me know when you're ready to hop on the mic to talk about it so we'll we'll yeah. be here for you man so no but i i do find a trend that's very interesting um and and we talked about it a little bit with negative supply and you just kind of briefly tapped on it earlier is um you know, a lot of these Kickstarters or indie companies um, where they are, there's a significant gap as far as technology goes. Um, and because mm-hmm. either the company, like these large corporations have abandoned, um, you know, film products completely, or they struggle to, to continue to make um, uh, film products, or they've completely died out. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is that this gap has been created in the industry and a lot of people, uh, and, and even then with companies, they look at this and say, yeah, we understand there's a gap, but we can't, there's no way for us to make money off of it. Right. You know, because the market has gotten so small that the amount mm-hmm. of time and money that's required to go and invest in that just financially does not make sense. So it's very interesting that a lot of people from the film community, I would say, have taken that gap and they're taking advantage of it and figuring out ways, whether it's 3D printing or through other forms of ingenuity, where they are creating something that may not necessarily meet the standard of, say, like, you know, a high end piece of you know, com- uh, equipment that would scan 
you know, several hundred rolls of film in, you know, uh, yeah. you know, hours or whatever, but they are trying to achieve that. And the, and no, people I mean, recognize that. No, we are, we're living in the time where we're lucky that we have a couple of big companies like Fuji, Kodak, and, and I'll include Ilford, but I feel sure. like Fuji and Kodak are the monsters. Sure. Um, basically and everyone else that wants to try to compete it's not there's not no possibilities for them i mean we are going to see more of those kickstarters and hopefully they'll be successful like you know and i know the lab box has been one of those forever running uh kickstarters but i i've i've met them personally i've been mm -hmm. with them i've seen prototypes i saw the first prototype before kickstarter even started at Fotokina, like all these things that people just see the the front cover. There's so much happening behind, and yeah, and it's so much work, and people are not waiting, and they, they don't have a freaking communication, you know, department. And it's like, oh yeah, you're yeah. gonna take care of just answering every single angry Kickstarter backer, and um, and it's it's hard. It's really hard, yeah. and I think we have to all take it with a pinch of salt that we are in a very niche market inside of a niche because photography is already. Sure becoming a, a yes everyone has a phone with them and everyone takes pictures and posts them everywhere but right. like real cameras and i mean dslrs or film cameras are becoming less and less popular unless you're vlogging um and basically this is small and these companies are even smaller we have to give them a bit of you know space like i i met intrepid too and i've been with them personally and the operation is so small like the fact that they ship their cameras and they take one week more and people are eager to get their cameras and I'm glad they're buying cameras and I'm glad they're eager to get them. But you know, it's, it's three guys that's working on one of Max works on every single weekend. Like I was with him recording his interview uh, on a Sunday and he didn't do that for the interview. He had to go finish, I don't know, 20 or 30 cameras that Sunday. So it's not easy, you know, and yeah. I, I get, I take off my hat, um, because I think, you know, it takes a lot of commitment to do this. And most of the companies are not making a lot of profit. Like you and me, probably we would be making a lot more money instead of talking about film. We were talking about the latest and greatest <laughs> sensors, you know? Sure. No, that's uh, a very good point. Yeah. And, and that's why I, at the same time, realize that what we do is a matter of passion. And I think that people in the industry are left are is passion. And I saw that at Photokina, that was something we talked about, I don't know, in some interview, is from two years back into the last Photokina, it was September 2018, yeah. um, the difference is all the companies that are there, they're doing film, it's passion. I mean, yeah. no one's there for the money so much. Yes, they get paid. Yes, they pay the bills. But it's passion. Like, they, they are just doing that because of passion. Everyone's building their own stands for the photo fair. Everyone's breaking down their stands for, you know, taking them back home. They're not throwing them in the dumpster. They reuse, you know, all of this is small and we have to understand that. Yeah, no. It, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, I quickly forget how small of an operation Intrepid is because, you know, you, you look at their website, you look at the quality of the product that they put out and and you quickly forget that you know this is an operation of what what three or four guys um or uh, uh sorry this is an operation that is you know of three or four people and um we quickly forget that because i also know that like for example the people over at city still film is only an operation of just a few people as well but mm -hmm. the impact that they make is so huge that we oh, yeah. quickly forget that this is only a few people. Um, so it, it, you bring up a very good point um, and, and kind of 
has made me kind of shift as far as my attitude um, uh, when it comes to type these types of people that are trying so hard, and and it is passion uh, that drives them, and not necessarily always about the dollar. No, and and if you remember the one of the first film kickstarters I remember was the travel wide camera, which I was speaking before. Mm-hmm. These people, I remember them pitching their idea on a large format forum. And um, I was the, there for the launch of the Kickstarter. I was backer number four. So that's how excited I was about this product. I was there refreshing all the time until basically it became, and it's how long it took me to buy the camera. That, that's why I'm number four, number not number one. They fulfilled their cameras, and the cameras had their issues, and they found their problems and all this. And then they disappeared off the map. Mm-hmm. And to me, at least I take it like that. I haven't had any word about it. I was talking to them about translating their website and everything to Spanish and helping them with that market. Um, they disappeared, and it was due to the pressure of people putting them on top of them. Like, you know, like you guys send a product that's faulty, and you're not answering emails, and you took this long, and they just were like, you know what? This is not worth it. We're not making really any money out of this. Right. And they just closed the shop and disappeared. And I heard they were going to make more. They told me they were going to make more. Then they didn't. And my guess is that. It was like, you know what? For the little bit of money we could make out of this, it's not worth that pressure. And, you know, not enjoying a hobby, which at the end, you know, most of us are doing as a hobby. It's sure. a side job, if you want to say. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I mean, I I have a normal eight to five job myself, and uh, you know, came rushing home <laughs> yeah. to do to do this uh, this recording. So, no, you bring up a very good point, and it's especially on all fronts. You know, it's not just you know builders and you know manufacturing. It's also you know uh, this. You know, we we dedicate time to do this, and you know, our family. Um, you know, is very tolerant of of oh, yeah. what we have to do. You know, so <laughs> exactly. so they we, suffer. They suffer our passion. Yeah, no, it, it, it's very true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so and and so that's something to kind of take into consideration with all that too. Mm-hmm. So, well, cool. I I'd like to kind of shift a little bit more. So your website or your so your YouTube channel is not always about um the news. Um. But you also have um, gear reviews as well. So we've talked about the uh, technical uh, camera, the Cambo wide. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the um, project, uh, the projects that you're looking at? Um, you know, what what is it that uh, you kind of want to relay out to people when it when it comes to like, oh, I have this idea. You know, I want to talk about it. You know, how does mm-hmm. that start from beginning to you know putting that out to the to the world? Well, first of all, I, I like I was telling you, I'm one of those thinkers. Like I like thinking about things a lot before I do anything. Sure. Um, so I have a couple of ideas and series I'm working on, and mostly behind the scenes. But it's mostly my idea is trying to cover things I don't see a lot. Like if we see, I, I'm going to say lightweight or light versions of reviews from very popular channels, and George, who's a you know friend. Uh, Matt Day, who also does a lot of reviews, and they do light reviews that maybe they don't go fully into depth. You know, they kind of go for a walk, give their impressions, and people love them for that. And I, I enjoy their content just for the same reason. Sure, but I, I do miss more technical reviews. And uh, there's David uh, Hancock, if I'm not wrong with the name, 
has a YouTube channel that he does very in-depth reviews and manuals, video manuals of cameras and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I want to take an approach and kind of marry both of those, kind of do like a bit of the technical side of certain cameras and also include a bit of a photo walk and results. But it's it's a lot of work. I mean, I can't say it's not because you've got to get the cameras that you want to use. And if you're going to do a review, I don't feel entitled to do a review if I just touch the camera for five seconds. Like, you know, the (laughs) negative... The negative supply device, if I want to make a review, it's more going to be like first impressions because first it's a better testing. But, you know, it, sure. you can't do, I feel, a review without using it for months, sometimes years. So it's it's not easy, but I have had a lot of years of use of gear. But, I mean, YouTube, you just have an idea. You think about how to record it. You can get some help. I've been getting help with uh, filming uh, me from a person in Bilbao. Mm-hmm. and uh which is where i'm from and um just kind of like editing that's basically all it comes down to editing i've been considering hiring an editor just because i have so many ideas and things i want to record and i can yeah. record them but the editing part just totally stops me from doing more man i i i feel you so much on that one because it's i i feel like i'm kind of the same way where like oh i could do this i could do that but i gotta edit first and Um, and I am seriously considering looking at, um, pushing that editing out to somebody that is much better at it than I, because I am sitting on quite a bit of video that, you know, some of it is a year old that I really want to get out to the world, but you know, it's like priorities and, you know, trying to, you know, generate other content and, and it's, it is tough. It's very tough for, it's tough. I have a, I was talking about that on the live stream, I think like a week ago is I have easily between 15 to 20 full videos that I've recorded all the B-roll, kind of like the story of it, but I haven't finished it. Yeah. So I want to try to get to do, you know, some sort of like picking up stories and maybe doing, you know, like a main video where I explain what I'm doing and then putting all that old footage because it's still interesting. I mean, I'm talking about shooting with an 11 11 by 14 camera on a beach and shooting professional uh, longboard, uh, um, you know, longboard surfers and uh, longboarders and doing all these kind of other things that I've gotten my hands on that are rare or, you know, even one ofs, but I haven't ever done a video. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand what it means to have footage sitting on your hard drive. <laughs> uh, and then especially, you know, now that we live in the age of 4K, I basically ended up quitting 4K, going back to 180. Because my hard drives, I couldn't afford enough, you know, hard drives to keep up with what I was recording. And I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. So I, you know, it's funny, <laughs> man, we're, we're, you and I are like on the same page because, um, I have somebody that helps me film video as well. And, and he's like, man, you just, you just dropped the 4k. And I'm like, I can't do it yet. I cannot drop the 4k. I, I <laughs> you know, we, uh, um, the guy that does the video, Kevin Keegan, uh, him mm-hmm. and I are constantly butting heads because, uh, um, my limitation is, uh, processing power. Uh, so when I'm bringing the video in, I'm having to create proxies because, the 4K footage is too much for my for my uh, iMac, so that's the limitation that I'm running into. And he's like, you know, you can get this done much faster if it was 1080p. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I, I give in after doing Photokina. Uh, I went to Photokina with Camera Rescue, mm. and uh, while I was there, I did I think it was 19 interviews in three days mm-hmm. um, with industry leaders or uh, CEOs. 
of the film industry, which is, of course, not so big. Um, but basically, I was running with a 4K setup, a, you know, DSLR or mirrorless camera. And I was like, I came back and I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I, 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 I say to myself, I sold it. I haven't sold it yet, but I should. <laughs> uh, but I got a uh, basically a 180 uh, proper video camera, C100 Mark II, nice. if anyone's curious. And um, that just runs for six hours straight video. Like, I just love it. And yeah, it won't look 4K crispy team, whatever that people are talking about. But man, it's so much easier. It's so much nicer. The holding, yeah. the man, like, uh, you don't understand. It's like trying to use, I don't know, like a Leica camera to shoot medium format. It just doesn't work. <laughs> right. No, I, I totally get you. That's cool. So yep. uh, you mentioned something, uh, and I'm going to pivot a little way from the uh, from the show. You mentioned something just a second ago, and that's camera rescue. And you've done a quite a bit of work with them, and and um, I, I'm really curious to hear their updates because they uh, they are uh, working on rescuing. I think it was a hundred thousand cameras, correct? Yeah, a hundred thousand items because okay, it, items. It, it's not exactly you know a hundred thousand and cameras um so be it but yeah this kind of started with my youtube channel like i started the channel and i was like you know what nobody's going to cover photokina mm -hmm. on the film industry you know there's all these bloggers petapixel i don't know kai from uh digital rev which is now independent on his own kai wong yeah. and all these people you know are making videos about all the digital stuff i was like who's going to go and cover film so I went ahead and I bought a ticket to go to Photokina and I bought a, um, you know, a whole bunch of visiting cards and I got a guy to design my whole logo and everything. And I was like, I'm going. And I think nice. I had under a thousand subscribers, just so you understand. Mm -hmm. um, and by then, uh, Camera Rescue came out with a video. Yuho, the person that you've all seen, the happy Finnish guy, um, <laughs> came out with a video and he was like, we're looking for a team worldwide, blah, blah, blah. And the video, you watch it. And my wife was like, that's you. Like, Nico, that's just you. This is what you do all day. I was like, yep, it looks like he made it for me. So uh, we had a first, our first talk was basically on, you know, through Skype or something. And I was like, I'm going to Photokina because the second interview was going to be at Photokina. Mm. So I had my interview with them and um, we basically started working together first as translating stuff and helping him out with certain things. But they're basically their whole mission is to uh, kind of not let the whole film industry die. And yes, like you said, we were talking before, there's all these Kickstarters making film or making you know lab boxes or making uh, all sorts of devices. But they're all still, how would you say, uh, um, third party kind of items, you know, sure. Open no source. Yeah. No one's yeah. making like, yes, yeah, some people are making film, but basically the real deal film like Kodak or Fuji, or whatever, no one's making that right. uh, except for the big players. Uh, but no one's making cameras and no one's making lenses. Um, and all these people that learn how to fix cameras and fix, you know, lenses and fix are either retiring or dying from age. And the new generation's, you know, too busy with other stuff. And yes, there's plenty of cameras on the market because there are, but we're all seeing the prices every day. Everything's going up. And that is because every time someone says contacts T2, price goes up $2, you know? Yeah. And every day it's someone, uh, hundreds of people are talking about contacts T2 or T3s or, you know, contacts uh, 645s or Hasselblad or Leica M2s, M3s, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and what their whole mission is not to let it all die. And not only be a store, because the camera rescue is linked to camera store, but the whole idea is to try to preserve the know-how of how to fix cameras and how to 
you know, uh, CLA or clean lube adjust uh, gear and build parts like they're building their own parts and uh, sometimes wow. if they need it. And uh, that's what they're doing. So I've been very, very happy and they're super committed to what they do. And uh, I think we both talk the same language. So we've had a very, very good relationship. And they are as the camera store, which is their store part, is a sponsor of my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And they've been, you know, extremely supportive. And I've been extremely supportive of them. Like, I wouldn't pitch anyone that wouldn't help me out or help others. And Yuho and the team, you know, I basically go there and I stay at their house. And, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. it's, it's just like a family. So to me, they're part family, part team and working with them. And they're Finnish. So nobody yet knows Finnish people. They don't like, they don't lie. They go straight up with the truth. Whatever's right or wrong, they'll talk to you. So everything's, you know, how do you say truth before, you know, like it all is very easy. So yeah, they, they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job in the media. Everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah. And that's what they are uh, also heading towards is, you know, though you think about camera rescue and you know them and their story. And I'm, I'm glad to be part of the team. I'm helping them in Spain. Uh, when the Spaniards have a very m- different mentality of Finnish, so it's hard to get you know Spaniards to understand the whole system. But True. yeah, it's working fine, and hopefully they'll reach the hundred thousand. Uh, I I hope they do, but I'm you know a little skeptical of it reaching. It's a very big goal. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure. No, that and I think I mean it's also I see that number is almost like a mission statement, right? Yeah, uh, you know, a mission statement is not a necessarily a an obtainable goal but more so along the lines of something to strive for um and and so um but i mean you know i i think they're like right around fifty thousand. i think it was the last time that i saw or something along those lines yeah they're they're probably already hit fifty six thousand. but yeah that's somewhere there yeah so i mean hey i look at that and say that's halfway you know and and every Mm -hmm. day it's a little bit closer so uh, but yeah, long no, it takes. Like, like like you were saying, it's like every single week they meet on Mondays and they sit down and it's how we're going to get to 100,000, you know, and yeah. it's not about reaching it. It's about how they can, you know, how do you say, get their game up to be capable of doing that. And they just hired uh, interns for the summer. Oh, wow. And they're training people for basically paying people to they're paying people who they're training that don't have to commit to staying. Yeah. So. You could go fly from the U.S. or Russia or anywhere you want in the world. Go there if you get approved to go. Mm-hmm. And they're not super picky about that. You know, there's people interested, but there's not a million people interested. Sure. Uh, and you can learn with them. They have no secrets for you. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back to your hometown and start your own operation. You can just fix That's cameras, awesome. I don't know, in, in Atlanta or, uh, or Morocco. Like, you can do it. Um, and they, of course, would love to have these people end up working with them. Sure. They, it ends up, you know, happening, but they're not interested only in just, you know, getting their store to be bigger. They want people to genuinely learn. No, that's that's a very good point. And, and even camera repair is almost like a it's like an art form within itself, because uh, it is a trade that I think that, you know, especially with old film cameras, I kind of almost feel like that is something that could easily be forgotten. Oh, uh, very easily. Um, and And so we have. A few people in our town that um, are very, very skilled. Um, And I think one gentleman used to be um, a a Yashika um, 
uh, engineer, or uh, he actually built these Yashica, or actually, he actually built the Yashica mats, um, Mark Hama. And, uh, um, and so Mark Hama is a very rare breed of person that, you know, the type of um, skill and craft and discipline that goes into you know repairing these cameras that he used to you know build uh back in the you know heyday um is not found these days um oh, yeah. so it's it's very fascinating in that particular sense that um that camera rescue is teaching people and that's amazing i mean that i didn't know that and that that right there is showing like you know bigger picture stuff like we'll teach you there's no you know, secret sauce or anything. And, and if you want to go great, that's fine. You know, take the skills that you learn to better, you know, um, film photography. And I, I think that's pretty fantastic that Juho no. in- implements that as well. No, no, no. I'm telling you like I, being there, like they have this inner joke, which is to be a camera repairman, you got to have certain skills and lack certain others. You know what I mean? Sure. Like the guy that loves to get into tinkering into cameras and undoing them and redoing them is a sort of person, not that everyone's the same, no, but <laughs> they usually, you know, come to the same sort of, you know, qualities in that person. And it is that you, you know, committed to details and all these things that's not easily found and even more in camera repair. So I'm very happy that they're there. They're doing what they're doing. I was even considering my summer holidays of just grabbing a ticket and going over for the month mm-hmm. and helping there with the operation, because I do know. As much as they are not, you know, a small team, they always could do with more hands. Like I, sure. the, the, I was there during Christmas, uh, well, actually New Year's, and uh, the amount of gear they get and how much has to be repaired and checked, and they check every single piece they get. Um, wow. They have like a, I don't know. The joke was also like a thirty-two step. You know, they were like, if we were Americans, we were like our thirty-two step. Uh, you know, check for camera gear, um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's crazy. And they're in yeah. the middle of Finland. They're in Tampere, which is like an hour and a half away from uh, Helsinki, which is the capital. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're there, I mean, in a building that they're just expanding slowly, but surely. And it's crazy. I mean, yeah. their idea is trying to become, you know, the, the place to go in film industry and they're becoming that. And I'm very happy to help and, and see it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, uh, we're getting ready to start winding down here. And mm-hmm. uh, typically I ask my guests, you know, is there a question that I didn't ask that you would have liked me to have asked? So uh, mm-hmm. I asked you at the beginning and I don't know if you uh, had a minute to think about it. And, and uh, I don't know. If, what, is there anything I didn't ask you? No, I don't think there's anything we left out, but there was something we talked about while we were uh, starting to talk before the interview or the well, interview, the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was about how one could make some sort of, I wouldn't say a living, but how can one make an impact without having the numbers? And um, mm, I, I, yeah. I was telling you how my channel uh, is not a big YouTube channel in any terms. I'm really happy about how the size it is. I'm not complaining of that. Sure. Uh, but with the amount of people I do have, I do have support from Camera Store, who is a sponsor of the show. I have support from other companies that sometimes help in one way or another. I have a Patreon, which has, I, I think we reached 90 Patreons, which is huge. And like the whole idea was you don't have to think about what will get more views. Sometimes it is more about how can I get this content to be exactly what I want it to be. Right. And finding your public, you know, finding the people that really want to watch it and support it. 
And uh, that's, to me, the way to go. Like, I want to keep on doing things my way. And I've had people tell me, hey, would you do this video? Like, we'll give you this for free. And I'm like, that doesn't fit the channel at all. Mm-hmm. Or in this way, or even now I have a sponsored um, video in a way that is something that has nothing to do with the channel. But I told the company, like, can I take it to my field, you know, and make it about film and film photography? And they accepted. And um, I think that's something that is worth mentioning because people see YouTube and, you know, of course, channels are huge and all these, but they see smaller channels and it's like, oh, you know, I might want to do things that get more clicks or whatever. Yeah, but that is not needed. The one can do what they love. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely, because that's the whole point, uh, you get it done. And YouTube's to me, a, you know, a step by step career. I don't want to become a rocket and just explode and then turn into little bits of sure. mediocre co- uh, content, basically. Yeah, no, you bring up a very good point. And um, I, I think. I would agree with you 100 percent that uh, it is the quality of the listeners that you get um you know yeah sure numbers are nice and everything but what does a number mean if you're not getting engagement you don't have people that are willing to support you um and and that is awesome that you know yes you are a smaller channel but you do have a very loyal listener base that are willing to you know support you and and that is huge and i think that is far more successful as far as um uh, what you're trying to accomplish than than falling into uh, a very easy trap I could foresee where you say, oh, I have all these listeners now or these viewers and I have to create something, right? And then you're just now mm-hmm. creating something for the sake oh, of it's giving like it to the, them. The agenda, the whole thing of yeah. like, oh, yeah, YouTube tells you, you know, you should do a video and tell people when it's going to happen. Tuesday at 10, it's like, well, who gives a damn? Like, yeah. people really follow you and enjoy your content. They're going to check their subscription box and just open it. And I have the news on a very regular basis. I try. Mm-hmm. And that was just for myself and that, no other reason. But, yeah, people should not concentrate so much on that. It's a matter of just enjoying it. Like, I, I've done uh before youtube i i try to meet people wherever i travel and i've had uh meetings here in miami and i've had one in san francisco and london and actually in london we did a film and beer which is a little get together we do and it was with george and the people from negative feedback and i mean george is negative feedback but we all met there and out of that meeting which i think we had 20 something people come over and have drinks uh i've ended up having i think five or six people stay at my place uh, because i always say (laughs) I told everyone, I was like, guys, my house is open doors. Whoever wants to come visit, you know, we can shoot film. We can develop any kind of format. And I have a whole studio lab where I can shoot any format, any size, develop anything you want, scan it, whatever you want. And I always say, anyone's welcome. You too, uh, Bill, if you ever travel overseas and want to shoot any strange format or strange camera, you can come (laughs) over. And also normal stuff. Very cool. But yeah, that's 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 what to me it's the community i enjoy that part i enjoy the comment section i enjoy having a drink with people i enjoy talking about film it's not just making stuff and seeing i don't look at the analytics ever i don't look at the subscription base ever like i don't mind if a video gets fifteen thousand views or one thousand it just i make the video and i look at the comments because i like answering comments but apart from that i don't mind I'm happy with that. And if people come and watch, it's great. And if they don't, well, you know, I'll make a different video they might enjoy. So that's what I care mostly. Good for you, man. That is, I I commend you 100% on that because, you know, I, I look at it in a sense of how do I grow? How do I grow? How to grow? How do I grow? And, 
you know, I'm a very data driven type of person. And I think that's just the nature of my IT experience and, you know, getting sucked into looking at, you know, what are the analytics? You know, what can I do? What can I do to make changes or how do I grow something? And that is a very easy trap to get into. Um, so, um, but no, I commend you for focusing on the content and, and I think, uh, that will, uh, uh, yield uh, the fruits of your labor. So no, it, it's yeah. I'm telling you, it, it already does. Like That's the, awesome. the fact that it works already for me, like, and it's become I have a full time job, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like it's it's the fact that it's becoming to a point that I could choose to make it my own career if I wanted to, is is due to that. Like just focusing on what you like like doing and making it. It's, there's nothing else. I am I like data, and I did the Instagram game. Yeah. Where now you got to upload, I think, three pictures a day and hashtag everyone in the world. And if not, you won't get subscribers or likes or whatever it is. And I've just given up. I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'll put, publish a picture every now and then and that's it. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's important. I think that's the fact. You just got to do what you like and uh, and share. That's all. Good on you, man. Well, um, I think that wraps it up for this episode. So, Nico, how do we find you? Uh, you got a website, Instagram, and your YouTube channel. Well, yeah, my YouTube channel is Nico's Photography Show. So, Nico apostrophe, I think it's apostrophe S, uh, Nico's Photography Show. Um, and it's the same dot com. So, Nico's Photography Show dot com. And my handle at Instagram is uh, Nicolas Yaceda, which is my name. Um, but one can find me, you know, through all those, there's links, you know, connecting everything, but yeah, that's where people can find me or an email. I have a, I started a website called, uh, www.superfilmsupport.com, which is basically any answer or any question you have, I'll answer. So about film. So that's the whole point. It comes from another podcast I listen called reply all. Um, oh, cool. and they have a section that's super tech support. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make super film support, super film support. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, Nico. Well, uh, thank you again, sir, for, uh, coming out and, uh, taking time out of your holiday, uh, to talk film photography with me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You, uh, thank you, Bill, for having me. No, absolutely. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, so you can uh, listen to us on iTunes. We do have a, a YouTube channel, uh, Studio C-41. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, Studio.C41. But before you go there, please go check out Nico's stuff. His stuff is absolutely awesome. So that wraps it up for this episode, guys. And so until the next one. Yeah, shoot some film. Dang it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>